Hello, hello, this is Jonathan and you're listening to the Johnny Talks Podcast, the place where we help you achieve your financial goals. Hello friends, hope you're having a great day wherever you are, whether that's in Boston, Luxembourg or Seattle. And in today's episode, we will actually have two guests. We will speak to Jessica from The Fine Years and we will speak to Miss Purple from A Purple Life. Both of my friends are working towards reaching financial independence. I know this has become a recurring theme here on the podcast. It's already actually the third episode uh, covering that theme. And if you haven't yet, make sure you have a listen to the episode with Mrs. Miller and the one with the dragons on fire. But back to today's episode. The point of the episode today is to show you that there are several ways to reach financial independence. Mrs. Purple will tell us how she intends to reach financial independence at the age of 30, which is one year from now. And Jessica from The Fine Years will guide us through her slower journey into financial independence, making adjustments and building her lifestyle along the way. I think I've already said too much here, so I think it's best we just start with the interview. Hello everyone, this is Jonathan. You're listening to the Johnny Talks podcast. And today I have two guests, actually. So I have... Mrs. Purple from a Purple Life blog, and I have Jessica from the Pioneers. How are you doing, ladies? I'm wonderful. How are you? Doing great. Happy to be here. Excellent. Very good. And uh, the thing is, what we will talk today uh, with those two uh, ladies is uh, to my two friends uh, met at FinCon. We will talk about financial independence and um, it will be actually a slight variation of the classic fire independent i mean financial independent retire early because we have two different perspectives today we will have a purple's um, perspective which is more energetic driven life hacking uh, way of achieving financial independence and then we will have jessica which is another way to reach financial independence taking the slow fi slow financial uh, independence approach we will dig into that with my friends and see which way could be the best for you if financial independence is something for you. So uh, I would like to start first with a, a question to um, Purple. Uh, so FIRE stands for Financial Independence Retire Early. What does that mean to you, actually? To me, the financial independence part just means that you don't need to work for money anymore. Mm -hmm. And the retire early part... <laughs> is highly contentious in definition. But for me, it means that you leave your main career and do whatever you want with your time. And for Jessica, what does that mean to you? Yeah. So for me, I think I, I would take an approach that is a little bit less about the numbers. Yes, financial independence does mean that you don't need to work for money to cover your cost of living. Um, but for me, financial independence means that I am able to make decisions in my life to make my life better um, and to be able to take hold of financial freedom that I gain along the way to financial independence. And so I'm not sprinting to the finish line. Mm -hmm. I would like to be financially independent by 50 or 55. Um, and with that goal, I'm able to make decisions about what is the right balance between work um, and no work for me in my life as mm -hmm. I go. 
Okay. Uh, and then for uh, Miss, uh, Mrs. Purple, in your case, you want to retire early. And uh, basically, your goal is to retire at 30, correct? Correct. Correct. So, how, I mean, uh, to me, it's extreme, you know, like, I mean, if you retire at 30, in theory, if you're in the traditional workforce, you work until 65 or 67, depending on the country, or 62. So how do you achieve retiring at 30? It seems out of this world, actually. <laughs> It is a little wild, but I've had, luckily, um, role models that have got helped me get here. For example, my mom retired at 55. Her parents retired at 50. Um, and I am very lucky that I have preferences in my life that allowed me to expedite that even further. For example, I don't and do not want to own a home. I prefer not to own a car. I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. I'm so sick of traffic. <laughs> I absolutely <laughs> love walking places, taking the bus, enjoying the scenery. Um, I also actually am not married. <laughs> Called me Mrs., which is fine. But um, all these things really help my my main costs be quite low. So I can splurge on things like going to Mexico we were talking about before the episode. Um, but all of that really allows me to have low costs. And so my phi number is relatively low at half a million. Mm. So I can get there very quickly on a six-figure salary. Yeah. So um, you mentioned the phi number, so financial independence number. And actually last week we talked about it. And maybe for the first time uh, listeners. So is that the 25 years of your expenses? 25 times my annual expenses, yes. Mm -hmm. Though I do have a bit of a buffer built in. I actually spend about $18,000 for myself living in Seattle. Um, and then I bumped that up about 10% to $20,000 to have that buffer. And then multiply that by 25, half a million. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. I see. I see. So your approach is to, to really cut on the cost, like no cars, no home, no cutting costs uh, in general, making unconventional choices and, um, and then increasing your salary at the same time. So you increase the gap to invest then. Exactly that. And I actually already had made those life choices. They just happened to help me save money as well. <laughs> I'm not yeah. doing it specifically so I can retire that early. Yeah. Because, okay, if you are turning 30 soon, I mean, mm -hmm. okay, I understand if you have a high salary that, uh, okay, these things can accelerate your investments, but it seems still, um, it still seems high to me. So are you earning that much or are you investing that much or in, in crazy investments or uh, I don't know? Well, um, how do you achieve 500,000 in such a short amount of years? <laughs> Actually, I have a um, page on my blog called The Numbers, and it goes through every salary I've had, every net worth number I've had since I got out of college. Um, but just generally, I do make about $110,000 a year right now. Mm -hmm. And I save, I believe I last calculated it was 79% of my after-tax income. So it adds up very quickly. And I'm just investing all of that in low-cost stock index funds. When you invest in low-cost index fund, then your life is easy. You don't you don't worry, don't stress too much about how your your stocks are performing. Not at all. I don't personally. Exactly. And uh, then let's uh, talk to let's see what um, Jessica's approach is because how, how do you approach uh, slow FI in um, yeah in your daily life actually? How what lifestyle changes have you made to to reach this? Um, financial independence at 55 or something? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so 
I actually didn't learn about financial independence until I was 30. Um, so that goal of retiring by 30 would not be possible for me. Um, so I, so I'm 32 now. I heard about it at 30. Luckily, um, my husband and I had been saving and managing our money well throughout our lives. So when I did learn about financial independence, I sort of turned to him and I was like, is this real? Can we do this? Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh yeah, pulled up his spreadsheets. He's like, oh yeah, if we keep everything the same, we'll be fine in 10 years. Um, and then I was like, okay, that's interesting. I had, I didn't really know how to sort of take that in. Um, but at the same time, I think I still had this perspective that financial independence meant deprivation. Mm -hmm. um, and it meant that, you know, you were sort of cutting everything out of your life that you enjoyed um, and sort of living on beans and rice and, <laughs> you know, Right, all of the stereotypes that we have about people pursuing financial independence, I think. Um, and I, I did. I felt like it was deprivation. And I was honestly in a high-paying job, and I was miserable doing it. Um, and so I wasn't actually motivated to pursue financial independence at that moment because I could not imagine living my same life mm -hmm. for 10 more years. Um, I did not want to do that. Um, and so my husband and I talked about it. I started reading a lot more about lifestyle design and people choosing to live their lives in different ways. And then I realized that I could sort of pull those lifestyle design principles of saying, what do I want my life to be like now? And how do I incorporate that now? into the plan for financial independence. So to say, okay, instead of retiring at 41, um, in 10 years when we could, if we kept our income and expenses the same, it's saying, okay, if we extended that out for even 10 or 15 more years, like what freedom can we gain in our life now? Um, and so for me, that was I actually quit my high paying job that I was miserable at. I, uh, took about six months off of work. I started working part-time in January of this year. Um, and in terms of the approach that we take, right? Like, so we're still saving about 50% of our income, which mm -hmm. is still high um, in the in the grand scheme of things. Um, and But one thing that we have also done is reduced our expenses. And one thing that I have noticed is that when you for me at least, and for a lot of people who I've talked to, when they work less, they actually spend quite a bit less money. Um, and so, I, right, I have found that then, right, that the number that you need to reach financial independence is actually smaller if what you spend is smaller. Um, and so, you know, so we took, I think, the approach of saying, it's going to take a little bit of a longer time horizon with a lower savings rate than the almost 80%. That's just awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but we're okay with that because we're working toward the life that we want to be living today. Okay. Uh, thank you, Jessica. And and then one thing that I, yeah, I didn't ask you um, because uh, Purple mentioned, okay, she chooses not to own a home and a car. Uh, what about that? Uh, do you are you a homeowner uh, or do you have a car? Yeah, great question. So, my husband and I actually do own a condo um, in Boston. So it's actually you know it's a thousand square feet. It's not super 
big. Um, but for us, it made sense because the mortgage that we pay on it mm -hmm. um, is actually less than we were previously paying five years ago to rent a one-bedroom apartment um, just up the street. So for us, the costs made sense. Um, and then we do actually have one car. Um, so there's, uh, between the two of us, um, you know, that we don't feel like we need two cars. We both can take public transportation, the vast majority of the places where we go. Mm -hmm. Um, but we do like to have a car to get out of the city and visiting friends and, um, all of that. But we, um, we actually have two parking spots. So we're lucky enough that because we only have one car, we get to rent out our second parking spot as a side hustle for $200 a month. Oh, and I like parking spots because that was one of my first investments and it was really profitable and painless. <laughs> you don't have a guy mm -hmm. calling you for the, you know, oh, uh, the, the pipe uh, broke or whatever. The neighbor is annoying. No, you don't have those. It's you just get the pay. I mean, you just get the, the money at the end of the month. That's so easy. Yep, exactly. Very good. Okay. Thank you, Jessica. So, yeah, this uh, these are two different approaches, really. I mean, one goes the quick way, the fast way, and the other one goes the more relaxed way. And one question I had for both of you, and I will ask um, Purple before, you know, when you, tr uh, when you changed your approach to, or when you started your approach to reach financial independence and early retirement at 30, how did your entourage, your friends, your family react to that? My family um, was not surprised because I've always been a little unconventional <laughs> in my life. Um, and my friends surprisingly didn't care. I don't know if they didn't believe me. Actually, I think it's because they didn't believe me um, because I've mentioned to a few of them, oh, yeah, you know, we're moving out of Seattle soon because I'm retiring. And they're like, wait, you were serious about that? So, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mostly nonchalant, some disbelief down the road. But overall, very supportive. Nothing. Um, no one lashed out. No one's asked me for money, really. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's all good. And, okay, no one was like, uh, yeah, yeah, it's never going to happen. Nobody was no. like, yeah, what, what is it? It's a useless dream or it's, a, I mean, you're creating an illusion for yourself, uh, something like this, no? <laughs> I got really lucky with, I guess, who's in my friends and mm -hmm. family circle. Nothing negative. Okay, very good. And you, Jessica, when you decided to take this slow FI approach, taking a part-time job, how did your entourage, uh, your friends, family react? Great question. Um, so in terms of the sort of financial pieces of financial independence, I think with my family, it made sense to them. Mm -hmm. We'd always been, you know, pretty good with money, pretty good savers. Um, my dad also retired in his 50s as well. Um, so, you know, I, I had that model to follow. Um in, in terms of the part-time work, it was a little bit more challenging for people to understand that. Um, partially because I think in our society, work is sort of prized above everything else. Mm -hmm. And people focus on finding a good job and getting their meaning and their purpose and their community from their workplace. Um and tend to have sort of lives that revolve around their job. Um, and so while people were supportive, I would say I have a, a lot of friends and family who were very supportive. Um, 
I think they didn't really understand it. Um, and so I do talk a lot. I, I don't actually talk with my friends about financial independence, but I do talk a lot about financial freedom. Um, and so what the fact that I can make this decision because I have saved, because we're in a good place with our money and because I don't actually need to trade as much of my time um, for money at this point. And so I think people are starting to get it. There's a few people in my life now who are like, hey, maybe I would consider working part time in the future or, hey, this is a pretty neat thing. Like I would want to, you know, be able to sort of change my life trajectory to something that they enjoy more. Mm -hmm. um, so it is exciting to see those small changes happen. Um, but I think people still don't quite understand it. Yeah. And uh, talking about this, um, uh, I mean, praising work or making work the most important part of their lives or something, you wrote an interesting piece about business. Uh, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, so I was, you know, I was really struggling with when, when I first took my part-time job, I was actually struggling a little bit with not feeling like I had enough to do um, and that I was like a little bit bored sometimes because I think that just our culture generally in the world tells us that when we're busy, when we have a lot going on, you know, when we're highly sought after, right? It means that we're highly sought after. It means we're valued. It means that we're like bringing something to the world. And so then the opposite of that must be true mm -hmm. um, if we believe that, right? So if I'm bored, if I'm not constantly doing something, does my life have any meaning? Yeah, right? so it's both for work, yeah. for work and for your private life. I think that people tend to think that they need to be busy for both work and their private life. Um, I had a lot going on for, for myself. I had a lot going on in my private life, um, but it, my work life felt slow and that was fine. It took a little bit of time for me to adapt to that and to say, no, this just means like, it doesn't mean that I am not a valuable employee, right? It mm -hmm. means that I get to focus more of my mental energy on things that I care about outside of work. Yeah, no, no, and and then because you mentioned this on the on another podcast, the Financial uh, Euro Independence Europe podcast, uh, I thought it was quite interesting because you started with saying, well, in the U.S. there's this business phenomenon, but I, when I heard this, I was like, yeah, but it's the same here, you know, people, yeah, when they're busy or say they're busy, I don't know if they want a feeling of importance or something. Or, um, yeah, I'm like, yeah, but are you busy? But uh, busy with what? Busy doing what? With what mm -hmm. With what purpose in the end, you know? Uh, yep. And whether it's about uh, your private life. Yeah, I'm busy. I'm uh, going to a meetup. I'm going to this, to that. I'm going to the court. Everybody can have hobbies. I mean, of course. But what's the end goal of this, of all those activities? Sometimes, I don't know if it, are you going to the to the exhibition at the art gallery just you know, to feel important, to, to, to show that you go to these places? Or are you really interested in art? I think there's a difference there. So, I mean, I'm not criticizing, but I'm just saying maybe it's time to redefine our priorities. Definitely. I think that a lot of people do a lot of things in life because they think that they should do them. Um, 
rather than wanting to, or rather than making choices about what really is a priority, because when we try to do too many things, we don't do anything well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so pulling back from that and becoming more minimalist with our time has been a really important thing for me to say, I'm going to focus on these important things and I'm going to stop doing these other things. And surprise, the world didn't collapse. Everybody is fine um, because I prioritized my time. Mm-hmm. And um, what I like in both of your um, stories is that, you know, when I hear, heard, when I first read about FIRE three years ago, when I started my blog, as we know, when I started FIRE, you know, you see the, the people uh, driving a bike, uh, eating beans and rice, okay, the, the stereotypes and all this cost-cutting things, and it sounds like deprivation. And in both your stories, I don't hear deprivation. I hear uh, that you are choosing to reduce costs, but still enjoy life. Exactly. I haven't cut anything that I that actually brings me joy from my life. I've just mm. found ways to do them more cheaply. Yeah. Uh, like moving across the country. I used to live in Manhattan. And so now I have an even bigger apartment for half the price, <laughs> much nicer apartment. Um, yeah, I, spending on your values is really important to me. And, and uh, Purple, um, just one thing, because I read an article that you took a, a first-class flight with Emirates to Maldives. So mm-hmm. how does that fit into your story? <laughs> <laughs> um, that was pretty silly, actually. Um, my mom had mentioned to me that she wanted to fly Emirates. She's really um, interested in, well, she wanted to be a pilot. So she's very interested in planes in general. But now that we have all these luxury palaces in the sky, she wanted to experience it one time. And so our original plan was to buy a business class Emirates ticket, which was $7,000. Um, and I think we were planning to do this in like five years. So we we're going to save up each of us to buy our tickets. Mm-hmm. But she called me when I was working late one night in New York and said that Emirates was having this wild sale for first class tickets, which are usually like $20,000. They were going for seven. And she was like, oh, that's fun. I hope they have something similar in five years when we're planning this. And I don't know what came over me, but I just <laughs> all caps was like book it now (laughs) so we booked it i think i had like nine thousand dollars in my account at that time this was uh before i started my journey to fire Mm, okay not great decisions guys but (laughs) what i did learn is that um that trip completely opened my eyes to how different Uh, different classes of travel can be. And hilariously, it was a few weeks, I believe, after that I discovered travel hacking. So now my mom and I go on those same fancy trips for $500 instead of $7,000. Okay, because you enjoy those luxuries. It's not that you, uh, we talked about deprivation a bit earlier, but it's not that you despise them. It's just that you, you try to get, okay, maybe that level or a bit at least good comfort, but with lower pricing. Exactly. And I also, at least in my life, have observed that if I do something all the time, for example, when I lived in New York, I would eat out for every meal. I basically didn't know how to cook. So eating out became a norm. It wasn't a treat. And so I actually overall enjoyed it less. So similar with these luxury flights, I do. I have these luxury flights maybe once a year, and we looked forward to them all year. So if I was flying everywhere in first class, I think it would take some of the magic away. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so yeah, it's kind of balancing what I'm able to do on my budget, what really brings me joy, and then also spacing that out so it's something to look forward to instead of an everyday occurrence. Yeah, okay. Uh, and then for you uh, in particular, uh, Purple, okay, you, you're gonna retire at 30, which is soon. What's next for you, actually? Because, okay, for Jessica, she will, we will talk to Jessica a bit later, but for you, Purple, what are you going to do? What are you going to do the rest of your life? Let's say you you live until 90 years old. What are you going to do the next 60 years if you don't work? <laughs> Have fun. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I will be having fun. But generally, right now, I want to explore the world. One of the things I dislike most about working full time is the amount of leave that I get, which is very small. I think it's three weeks a year. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not able to travel as I want. I'm not able to see um, the people I love as often as I'd like. So the first couple of years of retirement, I want to travel and see those people. So my destinations are revolving around people I know. The first order of business after FinCon 2020, hope to see you there, wink, um, <laughs> <laughs> is I'm flying to Australia and New Zealand uh, with my mom to see the Great Barrier Reef and all the beauty that, that those countries have to offer. And then I'm going to Argentina for a month to visit my old college roommate who I haven't seen in person in almost a decade. Um, spending a month with family for Christmas and seeing them for a lot longer than normal. And then um, I'm actually going to Thailand for a month <laughs> after that. So, so it's the I'm whole busy. world. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, other than that, I want to keep up my blog. I write weekly on there, um, cataloging my life. I like photography, calligraphy. I've got a lot. I've got a lot to do, you know? <laughs> wow. And, and actually, Jessica, so for you, you're still continuing to work until 55 or something but actually i didn't ask you uh, but actually so you reduced your your time so what do you do with the rest of your time great question so um so i'll answer this as a two-part question so i'll answer first what do i do with my time now and then what how do i plan to shift it in the future um so what i do with my time now so i currently work three days a week um, and then I have four days off. So my weekends are four days long. Um, and I do a lot actually on my blog during those days, but I also have a lot of time to relax and spend time with friends and do things that I really enjoy mm -hmm. um, and take care of my sort of health as well. Um, so that that's the way that I focus. Um, in In the future, so what I'm actually hoping to do is that I – have time right now to build, right, my website, have time to build hopefully some courses and coaching um, around salary negotiation or finding a better career that's a better fit for you and your life. Um, and those are the, the direction that I would love to go. Mm -hmm. um, eventually, hopefully transitioning into doing that um, as my main gig. Um, and then dropping the part-time work at a certain point. And at that point, then I can be location independent. I can travel, work from wherever I want. Um, and so for me, the, what I'm trying to do is get to a place and make so many small changes along the way so that when I actually reach my FI number, my life is already what it would be. Yeah, I love if I right, it would it, it would already be what I want it to be, and no changes would actually need to be made. 
Yeah, I like that because you, it's kind of, uh, as you write in your uh, blog, it's like taking YOLO a bit today. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like you live only once. So um, why not try today to, to start implementing it slowly into your life? Mm -hmm. So that, mm -hmm. this is something I, I really enjoyed about it. Um, and okay, then, um, okay, so you both have different approaches. So Purple, what would you say to Jessica? Do you agree with all she says or do you think she, she's doing it wrong and she should accelerate her way to, to retirement? And Jessica, do you think that Purple should uh, take it slow and not be too obsessed with uh, sprinting to the end? I think you're doing everything right, Jessica. Um, personal finance is obviously personal. So <laughs> she has a job that works for her part-time, allows her to do everything she wants or most things she wants to outside of it. Um, I think every there's no wrong approach, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. Whatever works for you. I know that I have a very aggressive timeline because of my strange life choices. <laughs> <laughs> And those role models that have retired before me. So, yeah, I don't think there's any wrong answer. Mm -hmm. And uh, just one more question to you, Purple. Because, okay, you want to quit the workforce, but do, do you enjoy actually your work? Or uh, is it just because you want the fr that freedom? And the, because you have, you have had those models from before, from your parents to, that retired early? or I don't actually enjoy my work. Mm -hmm. Um I am in client service, which looking back, I probably should not be in since I'm a serious introvert <laughs> and it's very draining. Um, I do, I work in marketing and I do enjoy general marketing principles, which mm -hmm. I have been able to use to grow my blog. And I found that very fun, but my actual career, um, no, I don't enjoy it, but I have job hopped a lot. And part of that wasn't just to get higher salaries or promotions. It was also to find a job that was not um, a negative basically in my life. So right now I work from home. I've bit stayed with my same company instead of job hopping for three years now because um, it allows me to have a more comfortable environment. I wake up, I make coffee, I make breakfast with my partner, and then I settle into my couch in my pajamas and work. <laughs> so it's much more conducive to a more relaxed lifestyle. I also absolutely love my boss, which is the other reason I'm still with this company. So I found the best job that I can, but it's still not enough. And so that's why I want to exit the rat race completely. Um, I believed that I wouldn't do anything really resembling work, but that's already a lie since I want to keep my blog. So <laughs> yeah, okay. And let's say you go on this world trip next year uh, to New Zealand, Argentina, Thailand, and maybe you will you will pick up some ideas during your trip and maybe okay, maybe not enter the full workforce, but could you see yourself doing um, a part-time job or starting your own business? Not related to your blog, but just for fun. I don't know, like uh, start, a, I don't know, a wine shop or uh, whatever. I can't see that right now, mm -hmm. but anything's possible. Maybe I've heard that it takes about a year or two to get rid of burnout and like have the fog of work lifted to see all the opportunities in the world and get excited about them. 
Um, so I don't know. I won't rule anything out, but um, first order of business is, like I said, to see the people I love and relax after sprinting for a decade. Yeah, I understand. And you, Jessica, do you have something to say about um, about Purple's ra actually sprint out of the ra rat race? <laughs> you know, like Purple said, like personal finance is totally personal. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that if I were in a position to have been able to retire early at the age of 30, I very likely would have sprinted um, to the finish line because I had, you know, I was much more excited about my career. I was much, I had more energy to put into my work in my 20s. I was more excited about it at that point mm -hmm. and really trying to climb the ladder and all of that. It was really once I learned about Phi, I hit 30 that, um, right, that I decided I wanted to have somewhat of a different life, right? And so in some ways, it's like this is, I had my midlife crisis at 30. Um, but had I been able to reach five by 30, I would be set. I could do whatever I wanted now, but that's not the reality for me. Um, I did work in a a sort of lower paying career in a nonprofit organization um, and have worked my way up to have a, a, a good salary in my, in my field. Um, but retiring that early for me would not have been realistic. Um, and so for me with a more moderate income um, to have a good life and a life that I want, I think it's important for me for it to take longer. Um, but for someone who is a high earner, who's younger, who enjoys generally their work, doesn't hate it, doesn't want to run away as fast as they can, mm -hmm. um, has a good work environment. I I honestly th think that it, it's not a problem if, if that's what you want to do. Um, and I know that Purple has incorporated some slow-fi principles into her life throughout by increasing her timeline to take a remote job. And, you know, she I, I know uh, from her story that she hasn't just been like, I need to make the most money possible at a job, regardless of whether I'm miserable or not. That's not the case. Mm -hmm. That's not what I've heard from Purple at all. Um, and so it's, I, I think she's doing a fantastic job and someone to look up to. Okay. Very good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> great, great stuff. And um, I have a question for uh, then for you both. So Purple, if, if someone wants to follow a bit your path, do you have two or three tips that you would give them if they want to, to have the, the aggressive uh, financial independence path? Mm -hmm. I would say really analyze what you're spending your money on mm -hmm. and make sure all those things bring you happiness. And if they don't, cut them out. <laughs> and later you realize, oh, wait, actually, I did prefer that. That's totally fine. Incorporate that into your full plan. But really take that time to look at what you're doing with your money and vote with your dollar. Mm -hmm. And then also, um, I would do all you can to make your life awesome now and plan for an awesome life in financial independence, whether that is taking a remote job and then slightly slowing your plan like I did, or changing careers completely. Um, don't just wait for that goal in the distance. Try to be happy now. Yeah, very good. And um, and you, Jessica, what what, are, what would be your tips to achieve 
or to move towards slow FI? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so, I mean, there are financial realities to pay attention to. So it is important to make sure that you can cover your expenses with your income. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're not able to do that, then it's important to focus on increasing the income so that you're able to cover cover those expenses and or reducing those expenses at the same time, taking a similar approach to purple by focusing on what you value, cutting out the things that don't add happiness to your life. And from there, once you can cover your expenses and once you can save some, I say take a look then at what you could do to make your life better today. And, and figure out the math, right? You can figure out what is the sort of projected timeline in which I could achieve financial independence, right? For me still, you know, it was 10 years. Now it's 12 to 15 years, um, given the situation that we're in. So it's still before 50, before 55. Um, so we may likely make decisions to slow our path down even more mm-hmm. um, to focus on things that matter to us um, in our in our lives. And, you know, so so once you can, once the numbers work, um, I say take a look at that and then figure out what you really want out of life and figure out how to pursue that now. Uh, I really like it. And it's in the end, it's very the values from both of you are similar. So that that's something uh, that's really cool. And um, yeah, I, I think we'll end here. And I really want to thank you both for uh, for the for your inputs. And it really shows that, okay, there's not only one way to reach financial independence, there's two models to um, to follow, actually. So you can do the, the slow way, the fast way. And um, yeah, if you're a listener, and if you have any questions, yeah, we, you can always reach to um, Purple on her blog and Jessica on her blog. And I will leave all the contact details in the show notes. So for Purple, can you tell us how they can reach you? Sure. You can contact me at my blog at purplelife.com. I'm also on Instagram under that name, Twitter at a purple life blog. Mm -hmm. And and you, Jessica? Yep. My blog is called The Pioneers. Um, So you can find me at thefioneers.com. Um, and then I'm on Twitter and Instagram um, at the Pioneers. Um, and then recently, we also created a private Facebook group called Slow Fi Enthusiasts. So for people who are interested in figuring out how to live unconventional, interesting, happy lives along the way to financial independence, um, you can put that into the search bar on Facebook and join the group. Okay, very cool. And just a uh, precision. So Pioneers is the a word play between F-I and Pioneers. So it's it's F-I-O, uh, F-I-O, Pioneers. So I'll spell it all and I'll leave it in the show notes. And before we just, we head off, I have just three quick fire questions to each of, uh, of you. Uh, I'll start with, um, with purple. So first question, what is your best investment you ever done? Paying to move across the country from New York to Seattle, which cut my time to retirement in half from 10 years to five. Wow. (laughs) Okay. That sounds like an excellent investment. (laughs) And um, do you have a favorite book uh, that you want to share? doesn't need to be uh, financial. It is financial because it's the book that changed my life um, called Your Money or Your Life by Vicky Rapp, Joe Dominguez. 
Yeah, I, I read it. My, I mean, I listened to it myself. Uh, the summer, I think it's it's fantastic book. I love it. Mm -hmm. And I can totally. I can recommend yeah. it too. And then last question: You get handed over one million dollars. What do you do with it? Text my boss that I quit. <laughs> <laughs> A bit even one year earlier. <laughs> then figure out how to give most of it to charity. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So Jessica, quick fire questions for you too. What is your best investment ever? So I would say my best investment ever has been spending money on mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've dealt with depression and anxiety throughout most of my life. Um, and so I've invested a lot of energy, a lot of time, a lot of money um, throughout the years. And I feel better than I ever have um, in my entire life. And in some ways, it, it's sort of sad to look back to think how long it took me um, to sort of get from a place of, you know, really challenge and suffering to where I am now, which is really, you know, happy and joyful and passionate about life. Perfect. Uh, I like the sound of that. And so do you have a book that you recommend that you could recommend to anyone? Mm -hmm. um, so my favorite book that I am have read and I'm currently reading is called Designing Your Life. Mm -hmm. um, and it's actually written by professors at Stanford University who are professors of design. Um, and they're taking design principles, so things that people might use in architecture or if they're designing a building or a road or a bridge or something and applying that to building a life and a lifestyle that you want to be living. Um, and so it's an incredible book, takes you through, you know, a lot of different exercises to help you brainstorm and figure out what it is that you would want in life. Um, and I'd recommend that book to anybody. Excellent. And so last question for you, you get handed over $1 million. What do you do with it? Mm -hmm. So I would do two things. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing that I would do is I would use half of it to buy rental properties free and clear um, so that that would actually, if you, you know, if you choose a good rental property, that means you could be cash flowing four to $5,000 a month, um, which could cover most of our expenses right away. Um, I'd invest the rest of it. Um, and then that would enable us to quit our day jobs to focus on the, the, our own businesses and the work that we want to be doing long-term. Okay. Very good. Very good. Okay. That's it. That's it for today. Ladies, thank you so much. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode with the two guests. And I hope that you learned something from either one of them, or maybe you picked up some tips from Jessica and you picked some other tips from uh, Purple. Anyway, here are my key takeaways from this episode. So the first one is quite obvious. There are several ways to reach financial independence. Next one, taking the slow financial independence approach, slow FI, slow FI, will allow you to make decisions to make your life better and to take hold of your financial freedom along the way of your path to financial independence. Another interesting point I noted is that by reducing your cost drastically, for example, not owning a home or not owning a car, you will be able to lower your FI number your financial independence number, which is, as we discussed last week with the Dragons, it is 25 times your yearly expenses. 
One thing that uh, was very clear from this discussion is that the faster you want to reach FI, yeah, the more aggressive you will have to be with your savings. Huh? For example, Purper was saving, is saving 79% of her after-tax income, and Jessica is about is saving approximately 50%. And talking about savings, what is interesting is that we also see that uh, Jessica and her husband bought their home and they even managed to save money compared to renting in their area. One thing I liked uh, about both of their stories is that their friends and family were usually supportive about their lifestyle change, their wish to reach financial independence, but they did not necessarily get it. They did not get the why, the how, and maybe they simply did not realize that someone could retire at 30, like Purple, for example, which is quite unconventional, I must say, but I like that. I also really enjoyed Jessica's article and take on uh, busyness. And indeed, you do not need to be busy all the time to feel you're worth something. Take Jessica's approach and use your mental energy on things you care about. I mean, you do not need to do a lot of activities because you feel you should do. Just focus on the things you want to do. Another thing I really enjoyed as well from both of their stories is that their path to financial independence does not mean that they are depriving themselves. They are just finding creative ways to spend less money and to still enjoy life. And last but not least, personal finance is personal. So find what works for you, whether that's the slow way or the fast way. Which one will that be for you? I'm curious. Let me know. So that was it for today. Thank you so much for listening. It really means a lot to me. Make sure you subscribe in Apple Podcast. And of course, please do not hesitate to contact me. If you have any questions or feedback, send me an email, john at johnnytalks.com or connect through social media at johnnytalks on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And amigos, once more, thanks so much for listening and I'll speak to you next time.